Welcome to the You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry podcast from Nashville, Tennessee. I am your host, John Martin Keith. Celebrities, working class musicians, and people who work behind the scenes in all areas of the music industry will share their stories, encourage you, and give practical advice of ways you can make a living doing what you love in the music industry. This episode is brought to you by Eden Brook Productions. Edenbrook Productions is the company I founded to help musicians grow in their craft. Are you a songwriter, but maybe you've been told your songs aren't quite there yet? Or are your songs ready, but you don't feel stage ready? Or maybe music is your passion, but you feel imprisoned by your day job and you don't know what to do next to make your dream a reality. Well, Edenbrook Productions is here to help. We offer consulting services via phone call, Skype, and FaceTime. And for the You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry podcast listeners, we're offering an introductory one-hour consultation special. Click on the link in the show notes to contact me, and let's get you making a living in the music industry. Hey everyone, welcome to the show today. This week I am talking with Glory Reinstein, who is the owner of the Sync Licensing Agency Song and Film, which I am honored to work with. We are talking about the day-to-day aspects of running a sync licensing agency, what to know when starting your own agency, and the importance of the music needing to enhance and not distract from the story. Get ready to take lots of great notes. All right. Hey, guys. I am here talking with Miss Glory Reinstein. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. It's so good to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming on my show and talking with me and and uh, in my audience. And so I'm excited for them to hear who you are and what you do in the music industry and how kind of how you got involved in all of these crazy things that we, that we get to do in music. (laughs) So um, now you and I know each other. This is, you know, we've, we've talked over email, we've talked over phone a bit. And um, so I know you're connected with Sync Summit who does conferences for sync licensing and people trying to get into that world. Uh, around the country and around the world, and you've been a part of that. So, and I, I've also spoke mm-hmm. at the Nashville conference that they did here this past year. So that's kind of we had that connection, which is how I reached out to you and um, to find out what you were a part of. And so that's why we're able to sit here and talk today. So I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story with us. Sure. Uh, just just back up a little bit here. Tell us where you're from and how you got into music and into the music industry in general? Um, Well, I'm a a native Vermonter. And uh, after my teaching career, I worked with some independent artists in my area, um, helped mostly doing promotional things, like a little bit of radio, a little bit of publicity, a little bit of um, doing a sponsorship at local festivals and having a stage for them, um, that kind of thing. But I also began to dabble in sync licensing mm-hmm. uh, for them on, be- on behalf of them and began to meet people in that world through email or phone and, um, and, and also going to conferences in Nashville and eventually Los Angeles and New York. But I did move to San Diego in 2016 and uh, began running Song and Film, which is a sync licensing agency. And uh, 
inherited in, in that catalog a lot of um, artists, but since then I have added many more new artists from all over the country, a few outside of the country. And um, I did prepare myself for that world through taking courses at Berkeley online in Boston and going to um, Sync Summit conferences, uh, reading books, that kind of thing. And oh, also being tutored for several months by the former owner and founder of Song and Film. So that's how I got there. Okay. I mean, I've, I love working with artists and want to help them as I did as a teacher. So real quick, when you were a teacher, you taught for how many years in the public school system? 38 years. I started young. I graduated from college a little bit younger wow. than most and got into teaching um, right away. Um, but at that point when I knew it was time, that I, I, I could have taught longer, but I wanted to uh, go off on a high note and, um, and get into this other music world. I should also mention that one of the reasons I got involved in this music world is that I do have a singer-songwriter son, Gregory Douglas, who uh, I would help out with his career, and I got very interested. And he and I thought maybe I should help others as well. So that's how I began to help other local artists right. here in Vermont and then song and film. Yeah. So being part of song and film, so that's interesting that you've inherited it. You, you basically took over, bought out the company from the previous owner and took it over where most people that I know that are in the sync licensing world, they work for a company as opposed to buying, <laughs> buying one and, and taking over the catalog. So um, what is it that you are looking for when, you're, when people reach out to you are you, do you prefer people to reach out to you specifically and say, Hey, I'm interested in, you know, being an artist or producer of, of music for sync licensing, or do you like to go out and do you try to go out and find people yourself? Like what kind of, what's that ratio look like for you? I, I do look a little bit, uh, on my own, especially when I receive a brief, a, a creative brief or song search from a music supervisor and I don't have that particular genre that they're looking for, I might go seek it out elsewhere. Um, but that's a small percentage of the time. I, I am bombarded by submissions. In fact, it's very hard for me to keep up. Um, what I look for and this is what music supervisors are looking for is uh, great production, good quality, um, songs that, that you hear, you know, when you're listening to uh, or watching a TV show or a film and you're hearing music, you, uh, you, you want to find songs that, that would fit, especially the song searches that I receive. But I'm also trying to build the catalog so that I have a little bit of many genres, but I like I would like to be uh, feature Americana because I know that world a little bit better than the other worlds. 
However, there's a lot of hip hop requests, so I'm trying to find, you know, great hip hop artists as well. Uh, what do you think is the key for an artist to be able to be successful in sync licensing? Is there one, one or two things particular for you specifically, or does it kind of a conglomerate of other things? Well, I think that some artists think they need to write to that world. But when you go to uh, a workshop or even some of the books I've read, the music supervisors say, stay true to yourself, write about what inspires you. Don't try to write towards something. I mean, I know there are people out there that write on spec when there's time, um, but th I think they feel that it's better to just be an artist, write from your heart and, and not worry about the TV film world. But, you know, but then if you've got some quality stuff and you think that it has a shot, then you seek out a sync agent um, that will accept you. I mean, they're exclusive sync agencies and they're non-exclusive. Um, and yeah, so I, I think we can go into that as well. You know, what, what, what is the protocol and all of that? But, um, yeah. Sure. And, and I think that, you know, universal themes, themes that speak to many different types of people or scenes, not too specific because it's got to fit the scene, you know, like they say, stay away from uh, people's names in your lyrics or cities in your lyrics. Although once in a while you do, I do get a request for songs about Montreal or whatever. <laughs> oh, and also I was going to say that, um, well, this might come up in uh, advice later on, but one of the things that music supervisors look for besides, you know, good quality production of the song, songs that breathe, you know, that it's not too wordy. Uh, they also are now all, almost always requesting the instrumental without the vocal for, for the song. And now sometimes even the stems, like let's say um, there's a trumpet in your song and they want to feature that a little bit. They want that stem um, and not just the whole instrumental, if that makes right. sense. Right. They want the specific track of horn mm -hmm. or horns together. The stems is what we would call that right. for people who right. listening who may not know what that means. Um, right. So what do you prefer as far as like exclusive or non-exclusive? You, you work non-exclusively, correct? Or do you, do you off yes. offer both options? No, uh, non-exclusive. Um, I found it best to say uh, it, it was hard to keep up with um, the agreements with each and every artist and only for a year, which is the way it used to be uh, in the older song and film days. It was just too hard for me to remember, oh, yeah, now so-and-so's agreement is up and I've got to create a new one. Now I just say non-exclusive, sign an agreement once. You have the option to uh, leave at any time for any reason, and so do I, unless there's a license in place or in play, 
so to speak. Right. Um, right. And that way I don't have to keep track of it, but I do reach out once in a while, like, especially if, if a music supervisor is interested in licensing a song, then I'm going to talk to that artist right away and say, you still okay? Here's the deal. This is what they'll pay. Are you on board before I sign on their behalf? So for people that are listening that are maybe fairly new to sync licensing world, wanting to get into this, um, you know, there's sort of an average percentage of a, the sync fee that you're paid up front. If, if there is one, hopefully there's going to be one. <laughs> so usually uh, I, I hear that the average is between 25% and 50% of the upfront sync fee that a uh, licensing agent will take that percentage uh, of the sync fee before, you know, before the artist is, is paid out the rest of that. So is there, where do you feel, I know people are different, you know, or feel differently about this, but I'm curious where you land in that percentage of what you think is a good place for a sync agent to be. Well, I think there are many 50 fifties, uh, and there are a few that I know of that are 30, 70. I am 40, 60 usually, but I do make deals, especially, I mean, if it's just the artist and me, the artist is the writer, the publisher, the master owner, then it's 40, 60, uh, 40 mm-hmm. for, for song and film. But um, if there's a third or even a fourth player, like maybe there are many writers or there's a publisher that's a middleman or a producer that's a middleman, then I will take less. It also depends on the amount. Um for example, I just licensed 13 songs into two independent f- Christmas films, okay. similar to Hallmark, but but it was Canadian, and um, and they only paid $400. So in light of that, I only took 20%. Right. Now, let me can I ask you this. You say $400, and 13 songs is 400 per song? It was 400 per song, but they were all different artists. Right. And right, right. so I just took a, a 20% of each one. Right. I also hear that, you know, 50% is the max. From what I understand, if they go over 50%, then they st- it's kind of like starting to like, you know, gouge, <laughs> taking advantage of, you know, of the artist and the writer, that kind of thing. So what do you think as far as like you mentioned the Christmas, uh, Christmas music? What do you, cause that's a little different. It's a different type of a genre. You know, it's very specific in, in the sounds and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. Where do you think genre wise within the Christmas world, you know, is, do you find the most success as far as, you know, is it like poppy R and B kind of Christmas? Is it more traditional Christmas or singer songwriter kind of Christmas music or what, what works for you? Um, well, for, for these 13, it was more like, adult contemporary, maybe singer-songwriter. Um, I think one, maybe two were more kind of jazzy, like more mellow jazz pop, I guess I would say. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it's it's hard to say. I mean, people ask me, well, what do you license the most? Or what how, what the briefs that you receive, what, what are they mostly about? And I, I always say it's all over the map. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, I've had, um, 
briefs for like Arabian funk or, you know, <laughs> J-pop, K-pop. I mean, it, it really right. is all over the map. Um, it just seems to me like there are periods of time when hip hop is really big for a while. And then it's back to like dark indie singer songwriter music. Um, but I also um, just placed two songs that are more Americana country in the new Netflix show spinning out. It just came out, just was released January 1st. And, uh, that, w- that was an Idaho artist who is Americana slash country because they were looking for Idaho artists music. So okay, that, works that well. was cool. <laughs> it worked well for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, one of the things I hear all the time too is that most of the time sync licensing supervisors, they do not want country music. Every now and then, if it's very specific, you know, to what the show is about, but Overall, country music is not really, it's kind of frowned upon as far as being licensed for sync opportunities. Now, Americana and rootsy, bluegrassy kind of stuff, that's used a lot. But when you switch it over, kind mm-hmm. of push into the actual country world, then then mm-hmm. not so much. Now, have you, has that been your experience as well? Or um, I've had a few in my brief time running song and film. I've had a few. Uh I guess it just depends on the show. Right. And, and you know, sometimes it's if there's a country bar in the TV show or film, then you're going to have uh, country music playing in the background. So right. I, I wouldn't say that it's frowned upon. I, I mean, I may not or people may not get as many briefs, song searches for mm-hmm country music per se, but I think it's out there. Sure. And Americana yeah, and I, I, is really I agree with that. picking up. Yeah. Americana has been huge. I've, you know, over the past few years, I think that's really, you know, picked up steam in that world, especially when you take like Mumford and Sons and Ava Brothers and things like that. And then even when you mix that genre with some more, electronic elements, a little more poppy elements and things and kind of get a hybrid of those of that has been, has been really successful lately. Yeah. I mean, uh, the TV show Yellowstone, um, a lot of Ryan Bingham songs were in that show. Of course he acted Mm -hmm. in it too. (laughs) Uh, And that always helps. (laughs) Yeah. So how long have you been the owner of song and film now? I would say going on four years. And within that four years, you know, how often do you get briefs from supervisors and how, you know, between the number of briefs that you get and the actual placements, songs that you get placed, you know, onto a project within that, you know, is there, you know, kind of a percentage wise that you would say success wise you've had within that, you know, what's the kind of maybe not you specifically, but just sort of in general, what do you think like the the whole licensing world looks like percentage wise of what you get, what you pitch to and what actually gets placed? Yeah, right. I I would say that I receive approximately 10 briefs per month. Um, I don't really know how that compares to the rest of the sync world <laughs> or agencies sure, out there. Sure. Um, but I, I would say... 
I haven't had, of course, as many as I would like, but when I go to these Sync Summit things, they always say, um, we, we receive a lot of great music, but um, getting a song placed for an artist is like winning the lottery. And it's not necessarily competition. It's the song has to fit like a glove in that scene. And the music mm -hmm. supervisor does not have final say. They're kind of like the middleman between, you know, soliciting songs from people like me um, right. and then t weeding them out, coming up with a playlist, taking it to their production team, which is director, producer, editor, and who knows who else. <laughs> um, right. And, and then it's, and even if they are interested in a song, um, it can be, uh, ripped out at the last second and that did happen to me recently I had done a pre-license or a, a quote request and and then it, I told the artist we were all excited and then it was yanked at the last second because not everybody agreed that it fit the scene so to answer your question not as many as I would like and there are dry spells you know months will go by with nothing and then all of a sudden things happen. So I had 15 at the end of the year and then I have five that are pending right now. So okay. we'll see. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that sounds like a good, good number. Well, I, you know, of course I always want more, but uh, not just for me, it's more for the artists to, you know, prove that I'm doing my job and, you know, even sure. though I don't get paid unless something is licensed. Um, but I would say that I had met another agency similar to mine at one of those sync summits last year, I think it was, or the year before. And I, I started looking at his website to see, you know, he, he would actually list what he had placed and, uh, and for what each year. And when he started out, oh, I'm going to say eight years ago, maybe, um, he didn't have that many in each year. It gets, I see more and more and more. So I think part of it is just being out there and letting music supervisors know you're there and, um, and constantly, you know, answering the briefs, but also, uh, not constantly because you don't want to bug them, but being consistent in reaching out and saying, oh, by the way, I have this new song I want you to hear, that kind of thing, and just staying on their radar and, yeah. and also building relationships and building trust that they trust that when you send them a song, you can clear it quickly and mm -hmm. that there are no issues. So it's really, I love working with the artist who is, the singer, the writer, the publisher, the master owner, because it makes life much easier. Right. Yeah. No, I understand that. So let me ask you. Let me ask you this: When you are having to work with an artist that does have a publisher outside of themselves, if you know they're signed to a publishing company, or there's multiple writers, and there's you know maybe one artist owns their own publishing, but then the other two artists are signed to a publishing company, um, but you want to rep represent that song and pitch it. Um, how much more difficult is it to get that song placed for you? Well, 
first of all, it depends on who their publisher is because, you know, if it's somebody like Sony ATV uh, and, and the brief says uh, we're only paying 2000 all in, they're probably not going to go for that. So, yeah, and I, I do let the music supervisor know who the publisher is or the, uh, and then, you know, it's, if they don't say all in, don't bother us if, if you can't clear this for this amount. If they don't say that and they're open, like, for example, advertising, commercials, if it's a big budget and, and you say, well, you know, Sony ATV is the publisher for this song, then, then they, uh, it's in their hands to negotiate. Um, do you ever talk with a publishing company before you send a song to a supervisor so that you can kind of get it pre-cleared, kind of get a yes from them saying, you know, if you, you know, if you pitch it to the music supervisor and they want it, then you've got our approval to go ahead and, you know, say it's pre-cleared or do you prefer to talk to the supervisor first? I guess, let's see, I'm trying to think of any examples. I, the Flaming Groovies are in my catalog, and they were signed to a major label years ago, but they have since inherited some of the masters, but but the publish the publishing still might be in the hands of a bigger publisher. I with, mm-hmm. for them, I work with their manager who happens to be an attorney. <laughs> so I figure, you know, he knows the scoop. Right. So I have talked to him on occasion when I've pitched um, their music, like I'll say, uh, here's what this music supervisor is saying that this uh, license would pay, blah, blah, blah. Do you think that's okay? And what about the the big publisher? Are they going to be okay? And he said, oh, yeah, they're going to be fine. Go ahead and pitch it. That's smart. It's helpful to have a manager who is a music attorney because they know all the legal aspects of right. what you can and can't do or it'll get you in trouble. <laughs> you know, so right. that makes right. sense. What would you, just kind of changing topics here for a minute. Mm-hmm. If somebody is wanting to get into becoming a, a sync licensing agent like yourself, uh, one, what is your day-to-day job look like? What do you have to do, you know, on a day-to-day basis? And then also, um, now you, you inherited, you bought out an existing company as opposed to starting one from scratch. But if someone is wanting to, to get into this and start a company, you know, like what are the re- the realities of what that looks like to start, to start a company doing what you're doing? Mm-hmm. Well, I would first, well, let me answer the first question on a daily basis. Sure. I'm, I'm usually um, working on a brief. Typically I have, they give a f- couple days notice or give you a couple of days to work on it and submit. Um, but sometimes it's a quick replacement. Like they can't license a particular song they want to license because they, they can't clear it for some reason or they don't have the money that is being requested by that bigger artist. So they'll look for a replacement and that's, you know, very quick, very quick turnaround. Um, if I don't have a brief to work on, I'm, you know, 
going through my catalog, sorting things out, uh, cleaning it up, um, maybe emailing artists. Um, mostly I'm listening to those submissions that I can't keep up with. <laughs> and, right. uh, yeah, so I think, I think if it, the majority, two things, majority of my time, it's either working on the briefs, getting them in, a, uh, by deadline or listening to submissions and answering the artists back. So if you pitch a song for an artist to a supervisor and they say, yes, we want that. And it's an easy clear mm -hmm. for you. What is sort of the time frame of, of getting the paperwork done? So I might give them a quick call or email and say, this is the scoop. This is what they're going to pay just to make sure then I sign the license, I put in all the metadata, like the writer, their PRO, uh, their um, ID number, um, publishing, master owner, you know, everything that's requested on the license, I fill that out and, and sign off and off it goes. Um, and then once the other end signs, then it's a fully executed license and I'll send a copy to the artist for their records. And then when the money comes in and you never know when that's going to happen, um, I uh, send it out. My agreement says within 10 days, but I'm usually, you know, a couple of days I send it out to them and give them the option of how they want to receive their money by check, PayPal, whatever. When it's fully executed and you say that the sync license up front fee, um, I've heard about 30 days is typically, you know, when they send the production company or whoever will send the sync licensing fee up front to you, uh, to the, you know, the mm -hmm. licensing agent. Um, but you're saying you may, that may or may not be the case. Is there an average time frame that that might happen on for you? Uh, I think it's relatively soon, maybe, but I don't know. I'm trying to think if it's been longer than a month. But I remember the former owner telling me a, about a story. It was a big film company that it took months and months and months to get the money from them. Hopefully that's not always the case. I don't think that's normally the case. But um, how how hard do you think it is to start your own licensing agency? Well, I mean, it's hard. I mean, even for me, running an established company, it takes time to build um, relationships with these people. And, and typically, those relationships are built through email or meeting them at a conference. It's not typically done over the phone. They hate getting phone calls which is total opposite of the radio world. Radio right. does not read emails. So, so, but you know, this world relies on email. I was going to say, if it's a new business, the number one thing they should do is buy the book thinking in sync, S Y N C thinking in sync by Amanda. And I'll spell this, the next, Name K R E I G Thomas. I don't know if it's Amanda Krieg Thomas or Amanda Craig Thomas, but okay. that is a Kindle book on Amazon. And 
it, it's great for people wanting to start their own business. It's great for artists so they know what the sync agent has to go, uh, sorry, the um, music supervisor has to go through and what they expect from the sync agent like me. Or sometimes there are artists out there pounding the pavement and trying to do this on their own, but it's very time consuming, especially if you're mm -hmm. writing, recording, touring, all the things that an artist has to do, promoting, whatever. Yeah. It, it's hard to find time to do this. That's why it's good to have a sync agent who knows, you know, the ins and outs and can, uh, be be the spokesperson and the plugger so to speak plugger and the licensor for uh the artist sure but yeah that's a great what book it, lots of good uh, info sure we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well so what is your favorite mm -hmm. um maybe one of your favorite shows that you've been able to place some music in just out of curiosity um the interesting thing is when I do place music, typically in a show I've never seen before, <laughs> I, I go watch it because I'm curious right. and then I get hooked. Um, so I've discovered new shows this way and it's good research for me. Um, well, the, you know, the spinning out, I was curious and I got hooked on that show. Um, I placed uh, my one of a song by my singer songwriter's son in uh, another Netflix show called The Rain. So then I got hooked on that show. I placed um, a song in The Good Witch, which I think is on the Hallmark yep. Channel. Right. Um, yep. Uh, let me ask you this. I'm curious. Once you get a song placed on a show, is it does it become easier? for you to place more music on that same show? Or is every time you go back, is it always starting over from ground zero every single time? I, I don't think so because once again, it, I mean, they might reach out to you, but it, it, once again, it comes down to the song that fits whatever they're looking for, the song that fits the scene. Um, I will say that I placed um, two songs in a show it was actually uh on the univi univision channel so it was a, a latin show and um in that music supervisor uh i got another one in a different show through her and then once in a while she'll reach out and say glory do you have any blah 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 and i try to answer it so i think maybe you know Hopefully with some of these music supervisors that are somewhat new to me and I'm new to them and, and something does hit and, and is placed, then hopefully they do come back and say, do you have anything like this? Like I just made a new connection and they're now reaching out to me. So, uh, and, and also the couple new ones I met at the last sync summit I went to. So it, it, you may not get a placement, but at least they're coming back and asking if you right. have certain things. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's hard. It's challenging. Once again, it's just, you know, being health, trying to be helpful to them and 
for example, the Idaho thing, I just happened to have a collaboration with a record label in Idaho before that happened. And when I saw they were looking for Idaho music, I said, oh, do I have a deal for you? No. <laughs> um, right. I put them on to, you know, artists in that area and, um, and got two placements out of it. So, wow. yeah, just being there to be helpful and to, you know, send really strong music. That's another thing. I, I, in the beginning, I feel like I wasn't always pitching the strongest music I could have pitched. I think I've gotten better at that now. Um, also, you get better at kind of reading between the lines because when you receive a, a song search, there aren't always a lot of details. And so it's like you have to kind of read between the lines because they want things on the on – the, uh, they don't want – things getting out there, especially if it's a brand new show that's going to be coming out or a film. Uh, they, they don't want lots of things broadcast. So, so they're kind of, you, you kind of have to read between the lines and figure out what are, what do they really want? And sometimes it's more about the tempo and the vibe of the song and it's not intrusive. It's under dialogue maybe. And the lyrics may not, need to be that important whereas other times the lyrics have to be important to what the scene is um right so after a while after doing it for a while you you get a little better a little better at figuring out what they're really after that's good thank you for sharing that well, mm -hmm. um, I know you've got lots of things to do. I don't want to keep you, but just to kind of close out, can you, is there any advice that you would suggest for, um, for artists that are wanting to, you know, that, that are trying to get into this and pursue this as a, as a career? Um, you know, how would you suggest people reach out either to you or to a licensing agent specifically, or, you know, what are the, some of the best, best things that you would suggest to people to do? Well, on, on my website, um, on the uh, how to submit, it says send your three strongest MP3s to me via email or send a link to wherever they keep their music, whether it's SoundCloud or Box.com or Disco.com or wherever they're housing their music um, or their website uh, or Bandcamp, many places. But... Um, that's one, that's me. Uh, you, I guess once you settle on <clears throat> a sync agent or, or more than one that you want to reach out to, uh, go to their website and see what their submission policy is. I mean, not all are, will take on, you know, some say they don't allow submissions. You know, they're pretty right, closed. Yeah, unsolicited. Uh, but yeah, that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> um, the indie Bible, uh, some, I think has that sort of thing in it. Um, music connection magazine every month they feature like recording studios and another month they might feature managers and another month they might feature sync agencies or whatever. So that's another possibility. Um, I wanted to mention 
another book that that is great for the independent artist that has lots of things in it. And that is, it's called how to make it in the new music business, how to make it okay. in the new music business. And the author is a artist himself. Um, his name is Ari, A-R-I, Herstand, H-E-R-S-T-A-N-D. So he right. may have a list, I f I'm forgetting, in the back of his book um, with maybe some possibilities. Yeah, just word of mouth sometimes. Sometimes I get artists submitting and say, I'm a friend of so-and-so who is in your catalog. So I get them that way. Um, mm -hmm. I also want to mention one other book that the artists, if, if they don't know a lot about copyright, publishing, um, that sort of thing. The book is called Making Music Make Money. Making Music okay. Make Money. And that's by Eric, E-R-I-C, Beale, B-E-A-L-L. -L. Okay. You want one more book suggestion? Sure. Totally. Yeah. Anything that's helpful for, for people that you think would be helpful. Okay. This is by um, Donald S. Passman, P-A-S-S-M-A-N, Donald S. Passman, who is a longtime attorney, entertainment attorney, and, and um, uh, what do I want to say? Well, I, I think he oversees um, bigger artists like Janet Jackson's um, catalog. Anyway, the name of his book is called All You Need to Know About the Music Business. All You Need to Know About the Music Business. Donald S. Passman. He's an entertainment attorney and author, and that book has been around a long time, and there are new editions of it. And I would also just talk to um, other artists, like artists, and see you know who they are working with for a sync agent. Um, oh, here's something that's important. You can go with one and hope that something happens, that there are never any promises. Or if you want to go with more than one non-exclusive agency, don't put all, your, all of your music in both places because chances are we're getting the same song searches, the same briefs from music supervisors. And if we pitch the same song to the same brief, to the same music supervisor, that's not a great thing. <laughs> so, right. And what, why? Can you explain why that's not a great thing for people? Well, first of all, they, they don't want the same song coming from different directions because they don't know. I mean, then they have to choose who am I going to, if I like this song and I want to license it, which agency am I going to license it with? Now, sometimes I suspect they're going to go with the one that they work with the most and, and trust, or maybe if they trust and like both, maybe they're going to go with the one that got it in first. Right. But they, this came from the horse's mouth. They, the sync summits that I've been to, they say, you know, they don't like getting the same song from multiple sources. And so don't put all your eggs in one basket.
or in multiple right. baskets. I guess that's how I want right, to say right. it. Yeah. And I've wondered that, you know, when I first got into this a few years ago, um, that was one of my big questions is, you know, well, what if I'm signed with so-and-so here and then so-and-so here and they have the same song and they both send the same song to one particular supervisor? Are they going to frown on that or they, do they care or whatever? So that's, you know, it's good for you to be able to clarify that people to know how to navigate that, those waters. Right. So, right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the other thing, once again, I'll just say that, you know, well-produced music, universal themes, um, know all your metadata, like, you know, who's the artist, who's the writer, who's the publisher, what is, what PRO do they affiliate with as a writer and a publisher PRO meaning, um, ASCAP, BMI, or CSAC in the U.S. Every other country just has right. one, but we we have three. And um, and some artists don't know that. Oh, they'll say, "Oh yeah, I'm affiliated with ASCAP," and and I'll say, "As I know you are as a writer, but are you as a publisher?" And they don't know. You do have to go in and and fill out the publishing form and choose a name, which right. could be John Doe Music publishing or it could be something silly like one of my artists is orange fluff music um can mm -hmm. be anything and you pick five and they will tell you which one you can have because they research to make sure no one else has that name so it's good to right. to be affiliated as a writer and as a publisher and who's the master owner so when artists submit songs to me i always have to go back and say i need all that info because I put it in myself in the metadata in my iTunes library before I put it into box.com where I house my catalog. And then having the instrumental track is important if, if they ask for it. And, and now stems, especially in the uh, advertising world. Do you get asked for a, a TV mix, which would, which would be, you know, basically an instrumental except the chorus has got vocals on it and maybe some background oohs and ahs. Yeah, the oohs and ahs, right. Once in a great while, but typically the searches I receive, they're only looking for the song and the instrumental track to go with it. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's just the song. Um, once in a while I get a request for instrumental music, like for a trailer or a advertiser. And I should say right. that, you know, in the advertising world, the music needs to be high energy and positive lyrics. In the trailer world, instrumental that drives the story and it seems to build until the end. And I always feel like there are big drums in trailer music. Um, right, yeah. And maybe an occasional pause, like half a second pause here and there. TV films, songs that support the story and the characters. The music needs to enhance and not distract. Right. You're just phenomenal. Thank you so much for sharing all of this great information with us. I appreciate your time, and I know you got lots of work to do, to do and got more pitches to go take care of, so I'm going to let you go. Um, but okay. I, I appreciate you uh, talking with us and sharing your expertise, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank and you. we'll talk to you again soon. All righty. Have a great day. Thanks. Bye-bye. 
All right, guys, there you go. I hope you enjoyed our conversation today and that you're able to put into practice what we've talked about if this is something that you are interested in in the sync licensing world. What's really cool is this wasn't even something on my radar a few years ago. I mean, I've been doing this, the sync licensing side of things with music. I've been in for probably seven, eight years maybe. But before that, I never really thought that much about it. But now it's like a huge part of what I do. So you never know. You know, you might be listening to these episodes thinking, this has nothing to do with me. I have no interest in this particular topic. But you never know where things are going to go in a few years. You're, you're, you might get into something that you had no idea you loved. And I had no idea I was going to love doing sync music. But I love it. I love it, love it, love it. So uh, all of these things that we're talking about are important, no matter if it's something that you're specifically looking to do or not. So I hope you're kind of filing some of these things away in the back of your mind. For, for rainy days. <laughs> uh, do me a favor. Please let me know how things are going for you. I would love to hear from you. You can email me at contact at johnmartinkeith.com. If, uh, if you have questions for future guests that I'm going to have on the show, if certain things that you want to know about that might apply to you specifically, what you're wanting to do or trying to do, I would love to know that so that I can get those questions onto future episodes. Remember, Edenbrook Productions is here to help if you need consulting services via phone call, Skype, Zoom or FaceTime. Let us know how we can help you begin to make a living in the music industry.